Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's Sermon Podcast. As we approach God's Word, let's take a prayerful breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. Listen to God's Word this day. Please join me in praying the prayer for illumination. Creator God, you created us with free will and freedom of choice. By the power of the Holy Spirit, speak your word through the words of Scripture, that we may live according to your will, through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. We turn to God's word this morning from the Gospel of Luke, reading from the sixth chapter, verses 17 through 26. Let us listen to God's word. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For the last couple of weeks, we have been preaching on the Lord's Prayer. We've been breaking it down week by week and reflecting on the different lines. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and so on. Last Sunday in our summer series on the Lord's Prayer, we explored the importance of revering God's holy name and God's holy actions as we reflected on the line, hallowed be thy name. We recognized the need for the restoration of the holy in our lives and in the world. Every time we pray the words, hallowed be thy name, We acknowledge our desire for God's name to be honored in every aspect of our lives. And this prayer takes us beyond mere repetition of words, but rather inviting us to align our hearts and our minds and our spirits with the sacred and to live in reverence of God's presence. But our prayers do not end there. In fact, all of you know that this is only the beginning to the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that Jesus gave us to say, as well as a prayer to be used as a model for all of our other prayers, 
our prayer petitions continue. Today, we pray and meditate on the petition, Thy Kingdom Come. Very first, I want to introduce you to a book that we've been using over this summer. This is Albert Curry Wynn's A Christian Primer. Now, the Reverend Dr. Albert Curry Wynn, you should know some things about him. He was pretty significant in our denomination. He served as the 119th moderator of the General Assembly. He uh, served as the president and professor of systemic uh, theology at Louisville a Theological Seminary, and he was the main contributor to our Declaration of Faith as now found in our Book of Confessions. The Reverend Dr. Wynne wrote a Christian primer and published it in 1990, which was two years before I was born. In his book on the, Thy Kingdom Come, the Reverend Dr. Wynne writes this. Someone commented that hallowed be thy name is a bit abstract, but thy kingdom come is a bit more concrete. In fact, it may be entirely too concrete for some of us. If you feel that religion should have nothing to do with politics, I advise you to stay away from this petition. Kingdom is an incurably political word. When we pray thy kingdom come, we are not praying to be taken out of the political order into some heavenly sphere where no decisions have to be made about how power and money and services ought to be distributed among people. Instead, we are praying that God's sovereignty may come to earth and become effective in the political realm and for the political questions that plague us and at times divide us. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we are saying, take over God, rule and overrule in the affairs of people and nations, end quote. When we hear the prayer, the petition, thy kingdom come, Jesus is teaching us that we must pray for the rule of God over all, human affair, over all human affairs to become actual, real, and visible in each of our lives, and in a world that often seems so devoid of God's presence, we are the ones called to intercede for the coming of God's kingdom, for it to become actual, real, and visible all around us. But first, when we understand the prayer, thy kingdom come, we must understand that this is no earthly kingdom that Jesus is talking about. This is God's kingdom. And while the petition, thy kingdom come, according to Win, is concrete, the word kingdom here is a little bit more difficult to define. The concept of God's kingdom, as described by Jesus, according to the Gospels, is both present and future. Jesus declared that the kingdom of God was already at hand, indicating its imminent arrival. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus begins his earthly ministry by boldly declaring these words, 
The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He emphasized this same message further whenever he would cast out demons, stating that if he did so by the finger of God, then that means that the kingdom of God has already come. And then, whenever Jesus was questioned about the kingdom's arrival, Jesus responded that it was already in their midst and has already made a tangible impact in this world. However, at times, Jesus also seemed to contradict himself because he spoke of the kingdom as something that is still yet to come. He described the kingdom of God as something we should enter like little children or something we should receive as little children. He spoke of the quality of righteousness that everyone must have in order to enter the kingdom. He encouraged us to seek the kingdom and to pray for its arrival. Jesus never detailed every aspect of this present and future kingdom, but instead instructed all of us to be a part of it through our own actions, to repent, to believe, to receive, to enter, to seek, and to pray. And then Jesus also used parables to convey the nature of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like a seed sown in the ground, growing silently until its harvest. The kingdom of God is like a hidden net filled with various fish waiting to be brought up. And the kingdom of God is like the yeast in dough that causes it to rise. At times it may feel like the kingdom of God is hidden, but these parables remind us that God is always at work in the kingdom and that one day we will experience it for ourselves. The hidden presence of this kingdom guarantees that it will be eventually revealed in God's own timing, just as one cannot prevent a seed from sprouting or from bread from rising, the kingdom of God cannot be stopped from coming. Which brings us to our passage from today. Our passage from the Gospel of Luke presents Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Plain, where he addresses a multitude of people seeking healing and hope. Now this sermon might sound a little familiar because it is very similar to Jesus's Sermon on the Mount found in the Gospel of Matthew, where the well-known and beloved Beatitudes were preached. And although our passage today may sound similar to a shortened version of the Beatitudes, this sermon today is known as the Blessings and Woes. In this passage, after Jesus brought physical and spiritual healing to those in need, he then challenges societal norms and expectations with this sermon. He turns our understanding of blessings and woes upside down, demonstrating that God's kingdom is radically different than any earthly kingdom. Jesus reveals that true blessedness is found in the poverty of the spirit, in hunger for righteousness, and in the pursuit for peace. And in the midst of this proclamation, Jesus also gives a warning 
Jesus warns the privileged, the rich, and the complacent about the consequences of their actions. He calls them to examine their hearts and to recognize the ways in which they have contributed to the brokenness of this world. The intent of this warning is actually one of invitation, which makes it good news. Jesus invites all of us, regardless of our social standing, to participate in the transformation of our communities and in the establishment, in the coming of God's kingdom. Because when God's kingdom is finally here, it will bring the great reversal. According to our passage this morning, the coming of God's kingdom means the poor will have the kingdom and the rich will only have past memories of their wealth. Those who are hungry will be satisfied with the coming of God's kingdom and those who are currently full will go hungry. And those who are currently weeping will one day laugh and those who are currently laughing will one day mourn. The coming of the kingdom of God is the great reversal of the world as we know it. But it's more than just the blessings and the woes that we heard in the Gospel of Luke in our passage for today. We have more reversals that will happen according to the Gospels. The last will be first, and the first will be last. Children will become teachers of the adults. Servants and slaves will become the great ones. And tax collectors and harlots will go into the kingdom of heaven before recognized religious leaders. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And finally, those who serve the marginalized the hungry, the thirsty, the strangers, the sick, the prisoners, those who aid them, they will inherit the kingdom and not those who ignored others in need. This kingdom, this great reversal as promised in scripture is far from being a distant dream for any of us, but rather it is a reality that all of us are called to participate in now. It is a kingdom of justice, love, and peace, where God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we are not simply requesting divine intervention, but we are acknowledging our role as co-creators with God, that we too will bring God's kingdom to this world. We are invited to join in in the work of justice, peace, and reconciliation. Just as Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, we too are called to share in the ministry of liberation and restoration. When we pray for God's kingdom to come, we are asking for the reign of love, justice, and compassion to be established in our hearts, our homes, our communities, and our world. And to do this, to bring God's kingdom into this world, we must challenge systems of injustice. We must 
comfort the suffering, and we must work for the equality and peace for all. Now, as part of our summer series on the Lord's Prayer, we have installed new images in our art gallery. For those of you who might not know where our art gallery is found, if you were to take the hallway that is found outside of our chapel that goes to the commons, right out those doors, if you walk down that hallway, you will see eight different images inspired by the eight different lines that we are preaching from this summer. But what makes the art gallery really special this summer is when we assigned eight different people to select eight different images of their own choosing, children to adults, we asked them to write a brief explanation as to why they chose the image that they did. So really the art gallery this time is not just the images are hanging, but also the words of our own people as to why they chose the image that they chose. So again, I invite you, take a prayerful walk, and you will find yourself fully immersed in the Lord's Prayer. Now, I was one of the people who chose one of the images, and I chose the image for our petition today, Thy Kingdom Come. And for this image, I chose the photo of the arrest of Reverend James Lawson. And you can see it there behind me on the screen. In 1960, during the height of the Civil Rights Movement, Reverend Lawson organized nonviolent sit-ins and protests in Nashville, Tennessee. Eventually, these sit-ins and protests led to his arrest, as you can see in this famous photograph. But his commitment, you can also see his commitment to justice and equality. In this famous photograph, we can see Rev Lawson standing courageously, embodying the essence of God's kingdom, even in the face of opposition and persecution. And you can tell that there is still peace to be found. Rev. Lawson's story highlights the transformative power of actively living out the Lord's Prayer. It reminds us that the kingdom of God is not a distant dream, but a reality that each of us can bring forth in our communities today. Just like Rev. Lawson and other, countless others who have fought for justice and equality, we too are called to be agents of change and transformation in our world. The pursuit of this kingdom is a responsibility we all share. And so today, we recognize the urgency of embodying God's kingdom in our world, just as Rev. Lawson did in his time. Today, all of us will be inspired by the example of Jesus, who proclaimed the kingdom of God and called each of us to repent and believe in the good news. Again, the kingdom of God is not a distant dream, but a present reality that each of us can actively participate in. Additionally, we cannot ignore the deep wounds of division and prejudice that continue to afflict our societies. Every day, we witness pain and suffering in our world. But embodying God's kingdom, we are called to actively work towards dismantling all structures of oppression that also promote inclusivity and equality for all. Today and all days, we look at the life 
of Jesus, we look at his teachings and we see that he was a God who constantly challenged societal norms and stood in solidarity with the marginalized. He broke down all barriers that humans, that we created, demonstrating that the kingdom of God, that which is promised, actually transcends all human divisions. As followers of Christ, we are called to follow in Jesus' footsteps, speaking out against injustice, advocating for the rights of the oppressed, and fostering unity and reconciliation for all people. In our own lives, embodying God's kingdom means striving to live with integrity and compassion. It involves extending love and forgiveness to those who have hurt us. It means that we must seek reconciliation and healing in any broken relationships we might have. And it also means that we must use our resources, our time, our talents, and our treasures to uplift others especially those who are in need. If you were to imagine a world where the kingdom of God is fully realized, where justice flows like an ever-flowing stream and where love reigns supreme over all else, what would that world look like? This is not an unrealistic dream. But rather, this is a vision that can become a reality through our collective efforts. Each act of kindness, each act of justice, each act of love brings us one step closer to the fulfillment of God's kingdom here on earth. And if anything, at its very foundation, the petition of thy kingdom come, is an acknowledgement that God's world is not how it should be, but rather it's a prayer, the belief, the faith, the hope, the call to action that one day this world will be the world that God intended, that one day it can be. Thy kingdom come. It is present and it is future. Thy kingdom come. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's sermon podcast. We hope you'll join us for worship on Sunday morning. For more information about our congregation and our ministries, please contact the church office. Now go in peace.